Warning, this podcast contains adult content, including frank discussions of sex and lots and lots of swear words. Enjoy! God, so goddamn good, Adam muttered. He was down to short strokes now, hips rocking, pumping furiously, a labor of delight. The base of his spine tingled, his balls tightened. Hold on, just a few seconds longer. Neil. I mean, do you want to do the podcast or would you rather just? Um, I think maybe I'll save this for when I'm not in a room full of people. I mean, I get it. Right. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Claire. And this is Fuck, Mary Kill, Lit. Where we read two romance novels. A straight one and a queer one. And then we talk about them. And play Fuck, Mary Kill with the characters. Yes, 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 yes. yes. So many spoilers. Oh, so many spoilers. If you have come here for full just reviews of books without spoilers, you've come to the wrong place. So read the book and then come listen to us because we have very important things to say. <laughs> Great. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, so, Clea, yes. what's got you hot and bothered today? Well, um, so when we proposed to each other doing this podcast, mm-hmm. um, and I did a... We each got down on one knee. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. adorable and lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you filmed it on YouTube. Yes. It was at an airport. Yes. You'd mm-hmm. run through the gates. It was just before they came and arrested we you. We both organized flash mobs. Yep. Yep. Which was a little disarming, but... The, yeah, especially because most people were in both flash mobs and trying to do both of the choreography at once, and everyone just looked like flailing octopi. Yeah, but fortunately, we both picked Robin songs. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> it was Everything amazing. worked out. But for realsy, though. Right. <laughs> when we proposed that we were going to do this podcast, um, I think at the time there were not a lot of romance podcast centric things out there. With the very thorough. Research that we did for 10 whole minutes. Yes. But I would have to say, since we've started, um, mm-hmm. and since we proposed starting, there's actually been a lot that have come oh, out. Oh, great. Um, and some have been around longer, and now that we're doing this and we're on Twitter, like, I, I'm seeing more mm-hmm. of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think it's cool. Like, there's one that's called When in Romance. Oh, um, I love a good pun. Oh, yeah. There's a really fun one uh, called Womance. <laughs> that I highly recommend. Womance. I really hope it's just the 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 priest from The Princess Bride. Womance is what brings <laughs> us together today. Um, but you should go listen to it. Go okay. listen to it. Um, there's also one that was started by Chuck Tingle and uh, the creators of uh, Night Vale. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that one is Pounded in the Butt by my own podcast. <laughs> Thank you, Chuck yeah. Tingle. So if you liked our Chuck Tingle episode, uh, you can listen to his stories being read out loud by celebrities. Oh. <laughs> Why don't we get celebrities? Uh, we are celebrities. I don't oh, know. of course. <laughs> I didn't want to sound gauche. I do. Fair. That's okay. why we make such a good pair. Fat. Um, and so you should for sure listen to that. And I would also say you should listen to another one called uh, Banging Book Club. Uh. Yes. Um, and a lot of, they cover a lot of more serious literature, mm. but I also like highly recommend super fun podcast. When you're talking about our literature, is very serious, uh, especially this time. Oh, <laughs> God. Uh, 
Um, and then I think the last one I want to talk about is Jeff and Will's Big Gay Fiction Podcast. What? <laughs> Uh, and I, I just listened to an episode, and they're they're both writers, and they talk about writing, and they talk about books, and they bring on authors that have a variety of experiences and fiction, nonfiction, really that they bring on. But they talk a lot about different books and subjects. And if you're a writer, mm-hmm. this is a really good podcast to listen oh, to. Wonderful! Yay. Yay! So anyway, it's more of a hot than bothered, I think, for me. Sure. But it got me hot and bothered. Anyway. Yeah, anyway, yeah. so yeah, I just yeah. I wanted to talk about it because it was exciting. It's a new community to be a part of. Yay. I want all listeners to also tap in. I will listen to them surely, but I can't help but feel that if all the romance podcasts got together, they were they'd be at the adult table having interesting conversation over like Chablis, and we're at the kids' table throwing spaghetti at the walls. <laughs> Yeah, but that's who we are. Well, let's throw some spaghetti. (laughs) Well, what about you? What's got you hot and bothered? Um, so I had uh, so we're recording on a Sunday. I had Friday off this week, which is not normal for me. So I had a surprise three day weekend. It was the best thing in the world. Oh my god, I slept in not terribly. But then I went to our local creperie because I want to sound especially bougie right now. Um, treated myself to brunch, finished reading these books, got a few errands done. It was so wonderful. And then I mentioned this to Christine, our sound engineer, and she's like, oh, yeah, in the 70s, everyone only worked four days. And I'm just like, what? The 80s ruined it. So aside from some music and a couple movies, nothing good came out of the 80s. Well, you and I were born in the 80s. Yeah, well, you're just proving my point. A fact. fact. No, 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 it's true, it's true. So three-day weekends for everyone. That's what I say. Three-day weekends for everybody. So I'm hot and bothered in a good way by my three-day weekend, and I'm hot and bothered in a bad way by the fact that it's so rare. Yeah. Hmm. Well... How about we enjoy this beautiful Sunday and talk about some sexy, sexy books. Sexy, sexy murder. Murder! Ah, sure, sure. So you picked the books this week. I did. What I, are we reading? We're reading Naked and Death by <gasps> J.D. Robb, uh-huh. uh, which is a pen name for Nora Roberts. Nora Roberts. Who is a queen of this particular right. genre of, like, of romance and... Until we started this, I didn't read romance, but I knew who Nora Roberts was. Right. And I would also say, like, Naked in Death. This is the first ser- the first in this particular In Death series, mm-hmm. and it's huge. Like, um, when I mentioned to other people, like, oh, and we're reading Naked in Death, and they're like, oh, Rourke! <laughs> like, they just orgasmed the name. <laughs> Great. So this is, we are tapping into a culture here. Great, great. Um, But we're also reading Winter Kill by Josh uh, Lanyon. Okay, okay. Uh, So yeah. So So the theme was murder. Well, I think like when I picked it, it was like Buddy Cop. Uh Uh-huh. So like, because from uh, the short descriptions I'd read of both books, it seemed like there was two people who were falling in love over solving a crime together. Okay. Which is, I think, still true. Yeah, it's more... It's police procedural Mm -hmm. as opposed to buddy cop. Yeah, 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 yeah. But there is still murder. Yes, there is still murder. Lots and lots of murder. Um, So let me tell you what Naked and Death is about. Okay. 
And then, and I then want... I'll tell you what Naked and Death is about. Right. <laughs> All right. Naked and Death. It is 2058, New York City. Technology now completely rules the world. But for New York detective Eve Dallas, one irresistible impulse still rules the heart. Passion. Eve Dallas is a New York police lieutenant hunting for a ruthless killer. In over ten years on the force, she's seen it all and knows her survival depends on her instincts. And she's going against every warning, telling her not to get involved with Rourke, an Irish billionaire and a suspect in Eve's murder investigation. But passion and seduction have rules of their own, and it's up to Eve to take a chance in the arms of a man she knows nothing about except the addictive hunger of a needing touch. Okay. What really happened? Well, two things. One, it does take place in New York in 2058. Yes. I will give it that. Two... (laughs) It's like Eve's life is ruled by passion. That's not true. That's patently untrue for the first half of the book. <laughs> like, uh, okay, so let's just let's just go. Let's just go. So it's New York, twenty fifty eight. Because it's it's vintage and ironic to talk like an oldie timey person in New York in twenty fifty eight. Right. Um, so. To give some, reading this, I was actually super excited and just like this first scene where she wakes up in her apartment and it kind of like goes through what everyone's morning looks like and how that has changed Um, and just sort of like describing what she sees out her window. Um, It sounded vaguely Fifth Element-esque in a lot of ways and I was actually really excited about it. Like the, the shower, you like say your water pressure and what the temperature she has an auto chef Mm -hmm. and we find out very quickly that like um real meat and caffeine are ridiculously expensive and only the rich people can have them and so a lot of people are eating like plant-based substitutes for these things or plant-based substitutes for meat chemical substitutes for caffeine um we also find out that Guns are illegal in America. Prostitution is legal in America. Highly regulated. Highly, very highly regulated, which is why you want it to be legal. Because, like, there's a... Anyway, we'll get into it. But, so it's like... It sets up... There's And there's, there's one part where they're listing off locations where our billionaire has companies. And they say things like New Los Angeles. And then you're like... Is there a second one? What happened to the old? Like, what? So right. it it it's, I think it's really good sci-fi world building and that it hints at a world in a very, like the, the world outside of her life in a way that's interesting that's not just exposition. Yeah, and there's other things I did like, uh, West DC, so it's like Washington DC is expanded, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, there's a little bit of a flying car situation going yeah, on. Yeah, some cars fly, some cars don't. Right, and then there's also like you can get places super fast on super fast trains, but also like owning your own plane uh, is for the rich, but also like those are super fast and exciting. Now. Right, right, right. So, so yeah, I was I was very optimistic going into this. Oh, okay. And spoilers, I became less so as the book went on. Oh yeah. <sighs> okay. So Eve Dallas is a is a cop who is pretty but has like real short hair because she doesn't want to mess with her hair. And like that becomes a whole thing later. It's like she'd be prettier if she grew out her hair. Whatever. Anyway, so she gets brought on to investigate the death 
of a legal companion, mm-hmm. a prostitute named Sharon DeBlas or DeBlas. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, and it's very apparent that Sharon came from money. Like they see in her record book, she went to the salon every week. Um, and then this is where we see that um, sex workers have a mandatory clinic visit once a month, I think it is, and mm-hmm. like all this stuff. And she keeps records of all the people, all yeah. of her clients. She's like the best record keeping right. prostitute there ever um, was. There ever was. There ever was. And her like, her grandfather's a senator, her grandmother's mm-hmm. also a senator. Mm-hmm. Like she knows, and they're like big deal senators too. It's not like they're yeah. just, you know, they're like, it's like, you know, I mean, it's, it's like these are the people who are on top of the conservative movement in Washington, D.C., right. which is trying to push through a new bill that would actually get rid of her profession right. and bring guns back. Right. We find out that the senator, um, her grandfather, is super conservative. And even though this is 2058, it's still like, we need guns, no sex. And I'm like, guys, give it a rest. Anyway, but the, the crazy thing about Sharon's murder is that um, Eva's looking at the... She has three entry wounds. One in her head, one in her chest, and one in her pelvis. Or, like, in her genitals. Um, and Eva's like, these are too clean for a knife. And, like, they don't look like lasers. I don't under... Like, it takes her a moment to realize that they're bullet wounds. Right, because uh, guns have been eradicated so thoroughly. So, thir- basically, like... If you want a gun, you have to pay a whole bunch of money for it, go through a whole bunch of red tape, and it really just exists for you to, like, put it in a display case in your house right. to show off. Like rich people, people have it. Right. Rich people have them to show them off and, like, maybe shoot gun ranges in their own houses. Right. But it does say later in the book there is a moment where they're talking about gun cases and that all throughout America there still are illegal guns and they are killing people at, like... Not like a huge rate. No, because later when she's at the convenience store, the guy comes in threatening to rob it, and he has a homemade explosive device. Right. So, like, the average person can't the av- get a hand yeah, on yeah, guns. Yeah, 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 Right. Anyway, so... But even among people who can get them legally, they're still killing each other. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> like, they're, they're still making a fucking mess it's, of the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, there, she... in. Examining the body, underneath she finds a note that says one of six. Um, And then very soon after that, she gets sent um, a video of the murder. Mm -hmm. To her apartment. To her apartment. And the way this... Because this book was written in 1995. So the future technology was very often, very obviously influenced by what technology was in 1995. Because everyone still keeps everything on discs. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. you have to, like, send the disc to someone and keep, have something to play the disc. So, like, they sent her the video on a disc. Yeah. Even though, like, they kind of have email. But, like, in 1995, you couldn't conceptualize attaching a video to an email. Yeah, there's also, like... There's also a laser fax at one point. Yeah, I, I don't feel like there was cell phone-ish. Yeah. Like, I feel like there, there wasn't were, a lot of talking on cell phones when there could have been. There were portable. They had telelinks. Yeah, that's Which what it were, was. like, mostly portable. But I, I think they were connected to things, but, um, like, 
cars. Like they were more portable than just yeah. like. But they did a have things that but... are sort of like cell phones. They were like pocket computers, and I think she even called yeah. them that at some point. Yeah. And I feel like there was something with her watch too. Yeah, yeah, they had yeah. Like watch walkie talkies, watchy talkies. Yeah, something like that. Patent pending. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, so. In investigating, like, who this could possibly... Because also, um, there's a chunk of time missing from... Or, like, some of her personal records are missing. And then also, the security footage for the building is missing from the chunk of time where they knew that whoever the murderer was was there yeah, the to other murder thing her. I think we should say is, like, this is a surveillance state. Like, everything is surveilled. Yes. Like, every, you can but see... But it's not... The state surveilling, right? Well, yeah, private corporations and whatever, but right. still, like but everything then cops is under have surveillance. Access to all of it. Yeah, uh, but she can't. But like whoever it was, the serial killer was clever enough to erase the exact amount of time they were in the building, the building, right. and in her room, and left. Right. So, in investigating this, uh, Eve comes across Rourke, who is an Irish billionaire. Who, when she um, researches him, the computer tells tells her that his estimated gross worth is three billion eight hundred million dollars. <laughs> and I'm like, that's that's nothing. Yeah. That's, in 2058, because then I was like, I'm just curious. Uh, the CEO of Amazon is worth 116.9 <laughs> billion. So I'm just like. Uh, it would think, be a lot more than that. I think it was hard to say exactly because like, that's the whole joke in Austin Powers that the, the right. guy from the past doesn't know how much the, things are worth it's, now. It would be hard for the average person to figure out how much inflation. Yeah. Okay. Happens. So, but here's the, here's this is important. One, I feel like we should almost refer to Rourke as Batman this whole time because from here on out, his wealth is one stupid. Three, I hate him. Four, I don't understand him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, But I would also say, like, uh, I mean, Rourke is problematic. He's problematic. He's a garbage monster. Oh, I hate him so much. Every time, like every single time, like all of my notes for this book, and I made hardly any because they're all, fuck this guy. Fuck this guy. Oh, fuck this guy. Yeah, all of mine were gross. He's the worst. He's the fucking worst. <laughs> Why is he the fucking worst? He is the worst. Okay, but... He's awful. But before we go on, I think it's important to ask, at intermittent points, when we're talking about this book, at this point in the reading, did you know who killed the... this? Who killed Sharon? I didn't. Oh, but you did. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. oh, her senator grandfather totally killed her. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is exactly who it was. This is exactly what right, happened. And right, right. And I'll have to say, like, there was a couple times I was like, oh, I think maybe I was wrong. And I enjoy that in a mystery. Mm-hmm. But I will also have to say I was not wrong. Right. And I was grossed out along the way that I had no other things. So I come into these books 100% (laughs) looking for some sexy fun times. Uh And I was grossed out. There were no, no sexy fun times. Well, no. All of the sex in this book was a complete power trip Mm -hmm. or about to be murder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I hate it. And it was like, 
so much of the power trip, like between work and Eve, it was very much like, and he smashed his face into mine, and then we wrangled and tangled with our clothes, and then he threw me on the bed the next morning. Like, what? Yeah, there was one part here. I wrote this down. We're jumping way ahead, but fuck it. Who cares? Um, uh, basically, um, he, he does something, like, sh- they have sex, She's getting ready to leave. She's like, I have to go. Because, of course, she's like... Because he turns out to be a suspect, like the cover says. And she's like, it's super unprofessional of me to fuck a murder suspect. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And then he doesn't take no for an answer. Never. So he she's, never... He, right. Uh, no. is not. Also, it says that uh, his voice was smooth with a whisper of the charm of Ireland over it. Like rich cream over warmed whiskey. Fuck off. Barf. Also, like... <laughs> Warm whiskey would curdle that warm cream rough like oh it's disgusting. Um anyway there's one she's about to leave and oh here we go. Uh he basically like pulls her back into the bed and it says he shifted, watched as her eyes widened, then fluttered half closed when he slipped inside her again. No, don't shut your eyes. His voice was whisper rough. So she watched him, incapable of resisting the fresh onslaught of pleasure. So basically she said, no, I have to leave. No, I don't want to. And then he forces her to watch him rape her. But it's <laughs> romantic because he's a billionaire and a bad boy. This, it's fucking awful. It's fu- like, I cannot she, even vocalize how I much like I wanted to murder him. She said yes to having sex with him maybe one time in this book. And they have sex like five times in this yeah, book. Like, and it's like, for the most part, every interaction she has with him is no. Hey, no. Hey, uh, no, don't come into my apartment without asking. Hey, no, um, I don't want to come over to your place. Hey, no, I don't actually think I want you to take off my clothes. And like, it's like, no, all the time. Hey, no, I'm telling you about the fact that I was sexually abused by my father until the age of eight. And I don't really want you to touch me right now. And then he just like grabs her and like forces her to let him touch or not even like, yeah. he just like forces himself upon her. Like he's the... He's awful. Yeah. He's fucking awful. So, so let's, so real quick. So here's, <gasps> here's. Like, the, I don't even, I feel, I like, I don't even care about the plot at this point. I just want to no. spend half of the episode talking about how awful this guy is. So let me sum up real quick. How they yeah. Meet. So yeah. let's pretend it's a cute meet real quick. So she's <sighs> investigating a horrific murder of uh-huh. a person who, uh, as a job, allows strangers to come into her home and needs a lot of trust and respect. So mm-hmm. something so violating that trust and respect is like a big huge deal. Anyway, so a serial killer has started his work and mm-hmm. he's killed this prostitute mm-hmm. and they look at the client list and the last person who saw her alive was the super rich guy Rourke. He also owns the building where she lives. He owns like all the buildings. He in owns New York, all the though. buildings. So then our girl and she a space needs station. she needs to kind of run into him. And the mm-hmm. best way to do this is to go to the funeral for this woman who was killed, which I think is smart. Uh-huh. Goes to the funeral, and there he is. That's the first assessment we get of him, and then she's going to follow him out and ask questions. That is how they meet. And we hear in his inner dialogue, like, holy shit, this girl's hot. I totally would have tried to find out who she was because I saw her earlier if she hadn't come to find me, and this is great. Except for that ugly jacket she's wearing oh. and her ugly short hair. He she should her. know better. He nags her on everything all the time. Ugh. It is 
not fun or entertaining to read. And this is um, a woman who seems like she's doing her job well and is good at it. Yeah. Um, and so then here we have this Trump-like Batman dude who wants to just get in her pants and is cruel and neggy and follows her about and then like uh, looks up information on her work. Um, mm-hmm. Like finds out that she recently discharged her weapon and killed somebody and has to go through this like therapeutic um, like VR session and mm-hmm. he finds out and about then talk it to a, and talk to the on staff shrink right which is all supposed to be I assume highly secret and he finds out about it mm-hmm. so and he's a criminal suspect in this case although honestly I didn't I never understood why he was a suspect. Like, the whole time I was like, no, he's not a suspect. Right, because it turns out, oh, he does have, he he is a friend of the family. He owns the building where she lives, so he has access to the security footage. He owns a very large um, anti-gun collection. And by antique, we mean, like, the 90s. Right. Because, you know, in the future. Which, none of these things feel either, like, important to the case or actually coincidental. He doesn't have a motive, like, other than maybe blackmail, but he's totally upfront about everything, despite the fact that he's mm. obviously the head of a mob. Other than the fact that, like, when women tell him no, he gets violent. Well, he, and he says he doesn't, but he does. But he does. There's one point, too, where he's like, I respect the privacy of people that I care about. You broke into her apartment twice, apparently because he owns the building where Eve lives, too, that he has, like, the master code. He can get into any apartment. She comes home, and he's there, yeah, just chilling out like it's no big deal. And then she says, leave, get out of my house. And he's like, I brought you wine. And then, like, takes her into the bedroom and fucks her. Yeah, and here's the moment she's just trying to do her job. She's just trying to... There's a part, too, where he... Okay, so there are a couple more murders. Two other prostitutes get killed. Which I also feel like as soon as they die, like, there is no reason why Rourke should continue to be a suspect at no. all. Because he was obviously not there. Right. And each each time, um, they're, they're shot three times. The head, the chest, and the pelvis. And the weapon is left on the scene. And then the video of it is sent to Eve. Like, this happens every single time. And there's a card that says one of six, two of six, three of six. And the third one, I think it was, the gun that was left at the scene was registered to Rourke through, like, a Sotheby's auction or something. Mm -hmm. But then it turns out that, like, somebody bought it through a, like, proxy, whatever, whatever. So he gets brought in. And he's at a space station at the time. But he gets brought in because it's, like, did you buy this gun? This gun is registered to you. Do you have any... So she has to bring him in because she's still the lead in the investigation. And he takes it personally. Oh, he's so And he's like, butthurt about how it. dare you bring me into this? And she's like, this is my job. And he's like, no, I'm more important than your job because I'm a dicky bleh. Yeah. I, I hate him so much. And the fact that he's supposed to be like sexy makes me so angry yeah no it was completely upsetting like and every time he's like oh you're so tired i'm like yeah it's because she's trying to figure out a murder investigation and you keep bothering her though she wants to sleep she's come home to sleep and you're there we learn real fast that she's super horny for coffee and steak yeah 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 he gives her real coffee. coffee and real steak and she's 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 in for it although again he gave her coffee and he's like why are you tired 
Oh, um, I know you like coffee. Here's some in this limo as we go from one place to another. Yeah, sure, it's five in the afternoon. I'm sure that's fine. That won't affect your sleep at all, even though you've only ever had, like, fake caffeine. Oh, <laughs> uh, you bastard. And it just, like, and, like, oh, like, it, it just. I know. I like, like so many of these fantasy novels are very and I, I do mean like romance fantasy like are about the fantasy of like a hot billionaire gentleman coming in and just mm-hmm. swooping in and taking care of you when you're maybe the strongest person ever you need one person who's just going to make sure that you're taken care of and I totes get that. The problem is this: she is a very good police officer, and mm-hmm. he's obviously the head of a horrible criminal organization. Yeah, admits to problem like the people he loves says, "I wouldn't be surprised if he killed somebody." In fact, I'm pretty sure he has. Yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> she's a policewoman. But also, the thing that with this book is, it didn't care at all about the other two victims. Like, no. as soon as, like... All- I really liked the third one, though. Oh, because it was an older lady? Yeah, she was um, in her 50s, which, like, the, at one point, Eve's neighbor dies, and he's he was, like, 115, and mm-hmm. they're like, oh, that seems about right. So, obviously, life expectancy has gone up a bit. So, the right. fact that the third victim is in her 50s, like, when they tell the daughter, the daughter's like, no, but... She was still young, so like it's it's like exceedingly unusual for people to die in the fifties in their fifties. Um, but yeah, apparently she was like she was a writer, right? Yeah, and she like left her husband because she's like this isn't working for me anymore, and then just decided to become a a prostitute to like foot the bill so she could write, and was just like whatever, life is a cabaret. Yeah, that I was, really liked her. She was completely enjoyable. Yeah, what was not enjoyable was being inside the head of the serial killer oh. as he was killing uh I think the younger the middle the, middle the second one, one was like barely one, 18 was barely 18 Lola Star and so with he two R's. he talked so then we got to be there for that sex act oh god that which was awful was not fun at all and which was all about like daddy child stuff yeah and then we go in depth into Eve's um rape from her father and the molestation and we get to see that in graphic detail uh-huh. and, no, and no nice sex like there wasn't like a nice sex anecdote to that there wasn't like Eve was Eve's body was mishandled and mistreated so she gets to be in control of a sex act no Never. none she of it not in control of sex it's written in such a way that it's like oh Rourke is going to cure her issues with his magical penis. Like, it's awful. I do want to bring up uh, her friend Mavis, Mm -hmm. which is such a ridiculous name. But she's a good friend who's like a a singer at a nightclub. And it's like a shitty nightclub. She's not a great singer. But she seems like a really great person. And she has this quote. They're talking about... She and Eve are talking about... um, their conversation or like their relationship with Rourke and Eve says it it puts him in the pilot seat doesn't like you know like he gets all the power oh that's bullshit Mavis interrupted before Eve could go on sex doesn't have to be a power trip it sure as hell doesn't have to be a punishment it's supposed to be fun and now and again if you're lucky it gets to be special 
And I'm like, yes, Mavis, that's that's wonderful advice. That doesn't happen once in this book. No. Mavis is like, this is this wonderful thing that sex should be. Like, it's, it's, there's nothing wrong with it. It shouldn't be about power. It shouldn't be about punishing. It shouldn't be about guilt. It should be fun. And sometimes it turns out to be special. That doesn't happen a single time in this book. No, I felt like ever once. all the sex with work was so much about power. Oh, and like all so of her other sexual awful. interactions were about power. And it was upsetting, and it was hard, and like it was not fun to read. Um, I will say though, all of her interactions with women were great. Yes. Like every like female interaction in this book, I really enjoyed. Like uh, when she goes to interview, um, when she goes to interview the family, and they've got like, mm-hmm. and like it was genuine and feeling, and they both understood each other. When she goes to um, uh, when she goes and she has to have, she talks to her therapist. I was like, oh, these two women should have sex with each other. Right. <laughs> and of course, Eva's like, I hate therapists. And the therapist is like, I know that you hate therapists. Yeah. But they're great. Also, Eve in her own mind was like, oh, my therapist is kind of sexy. Right? Like, yeah, Eve, this get some girl. Get some girl. When she goes to, because after they find Sharon dead and they see that she went to this very, very high-end salon every week, she went to go talk to her, to the salon. And there's a part where she says, the receptionist was magnificently breasted. And I'm like, what? I was like, oh, is this the gay one? Is she going to, like, fuck this receptionist? <laughs> I hope so. Also, just to finish that scene, because there was some imagery that I did appreciate. Uh, the receptionist was magnificently breasted and test- a testament to the salon's figure sculpting techniques. She wore a snug, uh, short outfit in the salon's trademark red and an incredible quaff of ebony hair coiled like snakes. And the name of the salon is Paradise. So there's like a woman who is the apple and the snake in a place called Paradise. And the main character's name is Eve. And I was like, and this isn't, you know, the first couple of chapters. And I'm like, imagery, she's a lesbian. Everything's going to be great. No, it all went downhill from there. No, I... It was nothing but disappointment. I agree. And I think we're not, we're, we're, we're giving short shift to like the investigation. But I'm going to tell you why. I hate this in every single mystery novel or or movie or whatever. So here they are investigating and they have theories and her, she has a theory pretty early on, which turns out mm-hmm. to be true that she thinks like, uh, like, you know, the upper echelons of the police force or somebody is involved. Mm-hmm. And they I kind thought of it are. was because she's working with this guy, Feeney, uh-huh. who's like the tech expert to right. her investigator. And he mentions at one point that he's a gun enthusiast. So I thought it was him for oh. for like a hot second. Yeah, yeah, I because he had he'd be able to like uh, scrub the security footage and all that stuff. He has the guns and blah blah blah. And I also thought it was going to be sort of one of those reversals where it's the nice guy you didn't suspect. Right, uh, which would have been more interesting. Yeah, I think so too. I, I absolutely agree. Um, and then for a little while, she thinks it's like the guy who's in charge of all of the police. Yeah, the but um, it turns out he's just corrupt. Not the district attorney. It's some other thing. It's like a non-police job. Yeah, it's, it's like it's it's like district attorney. It's the um, it's a future job. Yeah, no, it's like the commissioner or something. No, no, yeah, but I whatever, like whatever, 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 whatever. Anyway, he was in charge of all the things, and it turns out he it turns was, out he was just embezzling. He was a dick and embezzling, which we only find out because but was also one of Sharon's clients, which is Correct. why he got brought into it. Right. Well, we find this out because Rourke has a supercomputer. That is able next to, to his laser facts. Next to his laser facts, 
that he's able to like <laughs> sneak into the web because there isn't actually a World Wide Web because uh, right, this right, was right. written previous to right. actually being like anyway. So like the, there was a comment that he was like hacking manually, yeah, which yeah, nobody yeah. does anymore, and I'm like that's probably going to be true in a few years. Yeah, sure. That but everyone's I would have just going to gonna say, write like, an It also happened super fast. They're like, oh, can you get his? Can you get this dude's like IRS stuff? And he's like, yeah, no problem. It's super legal though. And she's like, yeah, I get it. Ding 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 ding. Let's wait five minutes. Done. Right. And <laughs> I then, was like, that's too fast. <laughs> in, in that room, a bed slid out of the wall. Yeah. And he's like, while we wait. And I'm like, you're a fucking garbage monster. <laughs> it's awful. I, um, I wrote down something that was basically like, it, it talks about um, how she was... Um, Oh, here it goes. She thought of rules of like him being like, this is super illegal. She's like, she thought of rules of due process of the system. She'd made herself an integral part of, and she thought, thought of three dead women, three more she might be able to protect. And it's like, okay, yes, her intentions are good, but also like way to compromise your morals for a dick. <laughs> yeah. Like l- literally just like a penis. Yeah. There's one point too. It's like she, she like when he was inside her, it's like she felt complete for the first time or some fucking bullshit like that oh god (laughs) anyway it turns out that the senator de blas of course the staunch conservative um sexually um, like habitually sexually molested one of his daughters and then did the same with sharon his granddaughter um and then she had recorded it or something and was getting ready to blackmail him. Well, she was she, blackmailing right, a whole bunch of people. She brought him on as a client. Right. Um, and so, and she basically was like, you're going to pay me for it or I'm going to go to the press with this and go to the police, blah, blah, blah. So he killed her. And and, like, it was just like a fit of rage. Like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then his assistant... Uh, Derek Rockman, which is the dumbest name I've ever heard. For for a character who's not actually like the love interest character. Right, right, right. <laughs> Just some guy hanging around. He's the senator's aide, and it turns out that he killed the other two to cover it up. To, to cover it, it up, like, but then oh, also the like killer. right to cover to cover up the senator, but also like as an excuse for him to go kill prostitutes because he hates them. Yeah, and he kind of and he got into it. He was like, "Oh, this is fun." Yeah. So that's the end. I will say though, what I did appreciate is that at the very end, um, when Derek Rockman, it sounds like a gay porn star name. Yes. Yeah. When he figures out that Eve's about to bust him, he shows up in her apartment, tells her everything, tells her that the Senator had just killed himself. Uh huh. And then he is going to like rape and kill her. And she's, he knocks her out and she wakes up and she's bound and he's like doing his bad guy monologue. Oh, he bad guy monologues. Um, well then you'll love the next book. Um, (laughs) so he's doing his bad guy monologue and Feeney and Rourke, Feeney being the, the partner for the case and Rourke figure it out and they're rushing on their way over 
And she actually kicks the shit out of him before they even get there. That was what. That was like the best part. Of the yeah, movie. yeah, yeah. Like, by the like, t- by the time, time they break her door just, down, like, already got him down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> by the time they break her door down, she has him like on his stomach, her knee and his back. Like, she's good. She's fine. Yeah, she didn't need them to come in. Right. And and it was also one of like the thing, and I I say this every time it shit comes up when like. And, like, a man in these books are like, I must protect her! And I'm like, oh, my God, I hate that so much. Right. Like, I hate that, like, like that he, uh, like his mind disappears and all he has is this right. primitive need to protect a thing he thinks he owns. And I hate it. When, um, oh, I wrote this down. When Derek is doing his bad guy monologue mm-hmm. and he says, he's, ba- he, he's one of those, like, all women are whores things. Um, and he says to her, to Eve, perhaps you didn't sell your body to Rourke, but he bought you. And I was like, yeah. Yeah. Well, no, that's right. exactly he's what happened. Correct. He that, bought that you with happen. coffee steak and his dick. Well, coffee steak and information. And information. Like he Illegally told, obtained information. Like he totally could have just given her that information. Ugh, and in fact, he says several times, she goes to him for info and he withholds it. Yeah. To get what he wants from her first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like her punani. So frustrating. But anyways, the reason we're giving such short shift to the mystery is because he comes over and monologues uh, and reveals the mystery. They weren't going to find him. Like, she had a hint that maybe it was this guy. Yeah. But she really didn't know. She thought it was the senator. And right. everybody was telling her. She was like, maybe there's two killers? And, and like, the computer no, was like, that's... no, only one. And she's like, well, the computer says. Right. Well, even her, the therapist person, because she asked her to profile. Who's also a profiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And the, and the profiler was like, no, I think it's just one. Right. And... Uh, so everybody, and so even she was like, well, I guess there's just one then. So she was not going to find this guy. No. She was going to go off and kill the three other women. He didn't really have a plan for this. So, like, he's just like, I love the idea. This is sick. This is so sick. But I love the idea at the first murder. He's like, okay, we have to cover this up. Um, I guess we'll make it look like a serial killing. Um, I'm just going to put the note one of six under her pillow. Great. And then as he walked out, he's like, ah, crap. <laughs> oh shit I'm gonna why have to did, kill five did, more people why God, didn't I, I just am, say one of three or, I'm like oh. an aide to a senator I'm real busy this um, is in New York I live in DC how am I gonna figure this shit out and I have to make sure that oh, I have to frame somebody else as a serial killer oh uh, why did I I'm not good at my job I just made more work for myself <laughs> Can I farm this out? Can I get an aide to help me with these serial killings? Oh, God. I'm just kicking myself here. (laughs) Well, well, gosh darn it. I really didn't think this murder thing through. Right. But like, we're, we're making these jokes, but at the end of the book, when Derek Rourke was like, all women are whores and I'm going to kill them. And I'm like, no, you're awful. Do you know who's worse? Rourke. Yeah. He's a worse person. <laughs> uh, you, you're, you're marginally worse than the serial killer and also the incestuous senator. Yeah. They, uh, like, obviously those are bad people, but Rourke is fucking awful because he thinks he's a good person. And he thinks that he deserves Eve. There's a point, too, where he, she, he's like, I'm super rich. And she's like, how did you get rich? And he's like, I wanted it. And she's like, well, a bunch of people want to be rich. And he's like, they didn't want it enough. I'm like, you 
fucking goddamn asshole. You broke a bunch of laws. We find out he has a criminal past. Oh, yeah, that's how he got his money. That's how he got his money. Yes. It's just like, oh, they didn't want it enough. Oh, so that's an excuse for you to be a sociopath. He's a terrible person. Uh Are we done? Yeah, we can be done with this. Thank you so much. (laughs) All right, so we're going to get to the next book. But first, we're going to talk about a network of podcasts that we enjoy. Yes, our friends have a network of podcasts called Let Me Listen Podcasts, and we think they're great and funny. You'll find such wonderful uh, comedy podcasts on them as a Narrative Comedy Brawl, Let Me Finish, and Ooh. yes, Classic Comedy Review Show, Late Seating. <sighs> um, also, I highly recommend a podcast I took part in one time that Bragging was super much? Fact. Um, it's an improvisational horror comedy serial, American Monsters, and How to Destroy Them. Oh, that's an important life lessons. Fact. So where can we find all of these wonderful podcasts? Well, you can find them in all the usual places. iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. You can also go to their website, lemmelistenpodcast.com. Great. Let's do it right now. No, first we're going to talk about the other book. And then go go find their podcast. These are the things we're doing. Yeah. Okay. Winter Kill by Josh Lanyon. Clever and ambitious, Special Agent Adam Darling, yeah, he's heard all the jokes before, was on the fast track to promotion and success until his mishandling of a high-profile operation left one person dead and Adam on the beach. Now he's got a new partner, a new case, and a new chance to resurrect his career, hunting a cruel and cunning serial killer in a remote mountain resort in Oregon. Deputy Sheriff Robert Haskell may seem laid back, might even seem like a goofball, but he's a tough and efficient cop when he has to be. And Rob is none too thrilled to see Phoebes on his turf, even when one of the agents is smart, handsome, and probably gay. But a butchered body in a Native American museum is out of his small town department's league. For that matter, icy uptight Adam Darling is out of Rob's league, but that doesn't mean Rob won't take his best shot. So that's what that says. Claire. <laughs> tell me about this book. Um, okay. So this book, the whole time I was reading it, it like I just pictured it being it felt very Fargo. Like I was thinking the whole time like I just kept thinking those shots like mm, I was thinking Twin Peaks. Yeah, I could also see a Twin Peaks. There's a lot of, like, Twin Peaks humor, mm-hmm, and I don't mm-hmm. mean the surrealism, but, like... Right, 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 just sort of the setting. Yeah. The setting of, yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so, like the book says, these two FBI agents, one of them, Adam Darling, who has heard all the things before. Who has heard all the jokes before. Agent Darling. <laughs> uh, these two FBI agents go to this exceedingly remote, very tiny town in Oregon, to uh the town is called nearby nearby which i think is great i also thought it was cool so it's really they fun. go to nearby and mm-hmm. they're picked up by two local sheriffs who just who seem like yeah robin zeke robin zeke but right away like zeke is the talker and he's just like this brask fellow but rob seems cool and a little bit chill mm-hmm. still hokey right but 
cool. Yeah. And I think they both recognize right away in subtle ways that the book doesn't underline right away that they both see in each other. They're like, oh, you're you're gay. And the other one's like, yeah. <laughs> but like, it just like the eye contact stuff. Like, well, that guy's got hot eyes and he's looking at me. Mm-hmm. And the other guy's like, I am looking at you. So, oh. <laughs> but not in that bad way. I mean, yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. very like... They have a super long drive from the airport. Mm-hmm. Also, I just have to... Sorry. Roll fast. They were... So they... Adam and his partner, Johnny Gould, who's a lady, uh, are from L.A. And they flew up to nearby, which I think is not a real place, but it says that it's outside of Medford, uh-huh. which is just past the California border. Correct. Um, they're like, how was your flight? They had a two and a half hour layover in Seattle. And I'm like... What the fuck is going on? I feel like I've taken that flight. Oh, because I, I was curious and I looked and there there are direct flights from LA to Medford. There are also flights with like a half hour layover in San Francisco, which makes more sense because it's on the way. I mean, and I'm just like, that this is the thing that you're... <laughs> it's just like... No, I'm 100%. Like what fucking office assistant was like, oh, I only have so much for the budget. Oh. So I guess they have a two and a half hour layover in Seattle. To go back down to Medford. Government. A government assistant. 100%. But usually the nonstop flights are cheaper. No, that is not true. That is true. Oh, that is not true. Yes, it is. That is is not true. Yes. I've seen flights. It's like... Who the fuck are you buying plane tickets from? I looked on Expedia. You were... This is not an ad for Expedia, but Expedia, if you want to give us money, go for it. 100% incorrect. No. 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 You... There is no such thing as a cheaper direct flight. Yes. <laughs> no, there yes. is not. Yeah, no, I saw, like, the flights from, like, the direct flights from LA to Medford were, like, $500, and then the flights from, it was, like, a two-stop flight was, like, $600, $700. Well, I don't know what dates you need to go. That's not, what I'm saying is, it doesn't matter. It matters very much to me. <laughs> What but that's I'm, fine. You're talking about the book, so please I'm continue. Also, going to say that I think you're crazy. Yeah, no, this is true. <laughs> but anyway, but anyway, by some sort of narrative magic, they get to the town. <laughs> what they've been invited there to do is to look at a skeleton. So this is body yes. that they've uncovered that's been like dead for a long time. Like twenty years. Yeah. Well, and I think they figure out 30 years by the end of it. Something like that. In the 90s. So, um, because our two guys are part of a larger, uh, our two FBI guys are part of a larger investigation looking for a serial killer. The roadside ripper. Yeah. And so they're just like trying to track all the different Mm -hmm. bodies that this serial killer could be like tagged to. So. And it's real grim because the roadside ripper picks up young men in gay bars along I-5, which is like San Diego to Washington. Like it's the whole length of the West Coast. And he picks them up in gay bars and gay clubs, takes them somewhere, murders them, and then carves symbols into their chests. And it's like real grisly. Yeah, it's really grisly. But it also like... um... So, like, and these two FBI agents, they're not going to, they're not trying to solve the case of the Roadside Ripper. They're just trying to track the different bodies. Right. I think it's called, like, Morgue Watch Morgue or something. Morgue Duty. Morgue yeah. Duty. Because they basically just 
they do the preliminary investigation to be like, do you think that this is one of the victims? And it seems like they say yes, and then they bring in somebody who's actually on the case of trying to to, to catch this serial so, killer. So they go and they look at this body. They look. They're like, no, <laughs> right? Not not involved. And everybody's like, well, we thought, you know, we had to bring you in to see. And they're like, yeah, yeah. we get it. And Rob does feel like maybe. But he can't be sure. Right. It's a really old body. Like, they've, like, the local sheriffs have made a mess of this whole thing because they didn't, like, take pictures at the scene. Mm-mm. Like, they just they moved, moved the skeleton remains, right away. Yeah. They have some podunk doctor giving his, like, ideas of what happened. Right. And the podunk doctor's obviously kind of an idiot. But I feel, if I remember correctly, he's kind of like, this is what I think, but this isn't my area of expertise. Like, Correct. ask a professional. Well, and I think. Kind of Which, you know, to his The way credit. the book presents it at first is like that these local sheriffs are idiots. And that we're supposed to feel that a little bit, but then as you go along, we're like, oh, no, 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 they're smart. Yeah. They've it's, been limited. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not so much that they're idiots, but just like this is way outside of what they're used to. Right. Like they don't have the training or the resources or the experience to deal with something like this. Anyway, so they look at the body for 20 minutes. It's not part of the their investigation mm-hmm. and it's over. So they're off the clock now. Yeah. So and Darling and Gould are like, okay, we're going back to LA tomorrow. Thanks yeah. for this. <laughs> Thanks for this weird. And then he text. says, "Oh, we're getting up early because it's a direct flight to LA." Sorry. I'm not having this argument. <laughs> no. I'm not talking about flights anymore. <laughs> I don't know who booked their travel. It wasn't me. That's for damn sure. It's a government job. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. All I know for sure is that they have to leave the next day. They have to leave the by next By narrative day. magic. Yes. <laughs> so, so what happens? Well, anyway, so mm-hmm. our man, Adam, goes to the local eatery. Mm-hmm. Uh, They're staying at like a kind of resort. It sounded like bungalows yeah, yeah, sort yeah. of spread out and it's off season. So he's one of the only, like he and his partner who have different bungalows seem like two of maybe five people there but there's a restaurant on the resort that's sort of like the local eatery for the town yeah so then he goes to the local eatery he runs into rob rob haskell who is the waitress azure with mermaid hair oh my god yes the waitress is super cute who also he's she's like just one and he's like yeah and she's like oh She's super just like, you poor guy. Well, she's also like 19. She's also like 19, yeah. Which comes up later. Anyway. Yeah. Which is why I brought her up. So Adam and Rob uh, run into each other at the local mm-hmm. eatery. And they size each other up. Like, Rob sits down at Adam's table. And it's like totally intrusive. But like, hey, do you mind if I sit? We're going to... Let order, me buy you a drink. Order more drinks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they chit-chat. And it becomes automatic, like... Oh, we're doing this now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, like it's oh, just... yeah, because Adam has a very strict, I don't fraternize with people that I'm working with, whether it be other agents or, like, if I'm working with a local law enforcement agency, none of them. But he's like, well, I'm off the clock and I'm heading home and I'm never going to be here ever again. Right. So, so let's go back to stuff? my cabin and have sex. Sex. Which they do. And I have to say, this is probably one of my favorite sex scenes that we've read. Um, no, and I'll say why. Not There's one later that I like a little bit more that yeah. I'll tell you about. Yeah, no, but I have to say, like, the reason why, like... They use condoms. They use condoms. But 
Also, as an early sex scene between two people who just met, it was super chill. It was, it was. real nice. Yeah. Like, they giggled. They t- but, like, they told real sex jokes. Yeah, Sometimes yeah, yeah. in these books, they tell, like, they go, they do sex jokes. Mm-hmm. And it's like... She did air quotes, everyone. I, I did air quotes. Sex jokes. Meaning, like, where you have this weird, sexy, non-sexy banter where it's like... Okay, and I'm spoiling something for a later book, but this is the best example I could come up with. Which is something like... Oh, I count your size. How oh, my size? What do you mean? I've counted 23 so far. Oh, sexy. Nobody fucking does that <laughs> or talks like that. And it's that kind of bullshit in these books that sometimes, like, the yeah. sex banter in these books is sometimes real dumb. Yeah. But the sex banter that between these two had, I thought was great. Mm-hmm. Like, like he's like, oh, did you bring a condom? And he's like, uh, no. Pfft, of course I brought a condom. Right? There's one part because... <laughs> There's one part where they sort of have a little bit of a conversation where Adam asks Rob basically like, what's it like being gay in this like tiny hick town? Um, And Rob sort of deflects. Yeah. Like it, it becomes apparent that he sort of on a case by case basis decides who he is out to, Mm -hmm. which is fine. You know, do what you got to do. We also get Uh, the feeling like it's, it's a tiny town and the whole town knows Right. So it's not like it's a secret, but he's not like, he's not a he's not a one man parade in the town, and he doesn't want to feel right. Like he and has he's to be. he's really only comfortable talking about it with certain people. But at one point when they're they're getting ready to you know do the nasty, Adam says, "So you are out then." Rob, in the process of unbuckling his belt, laughed. He yanked down his jeans and shorts. I am tonight. <laughs> so good it's so great though there's one point it's like uh adam wore the condom and rob let himself be taken and i'm like that's not really how it works but that's um no one says top or bottom it's just like adam wore the condom next time rob would get to wear the condom and i'm just like i don't know and then i realized despite the fact that the writer's name is josh josh lanyon it's a woman oh this is a woman and I feel deceived. Oh, I also feel deceived. Right? Yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to point that out. Is I'm it, sure that will... Is it a straight lady? I don't know, but probably. Oh. Uh, I, I guess I shouldn't... I guess it shouldn't bother me, but it kind of does. It seems deceptive. Well, and... And I have if to be, were like, like, and I really did enjoy a lot of this book. And I have to say, I did like, too. what I've wanted to do is read authors, like, I mean... They're like, I'm sorry, straight ladies, but like, there's not enough gay authors out there <laughs> that are getting mm-hmm, their work mm-hmm, published. Mm-hmm. And so, like, like so, you know, I've been wanting wanting to make sure like the other the, the the representation of the authors is as much in the characters in the books that we're reading. You know, so I do feel deceived. Right, and if it had been like Andy with an I, or like Chris or Alex, like a unisex a traditionally unisex name, and be like, okay, fine, but Josh. <laughs> I mm, well I mean to either... be fair, like J.D. Robb is also a pen name and I feel like J.D. Robb is also intended to feel like am I a girl or am I a boy and when a woman does that in a lot of ways it's definitely like oh I feel like I'm only going to get published and under this way if it is a boy's name right which is which is one thing and completely understandable but also I'm under the impression that this is self-published on Amazon 
Yeah, I... Uh, Probably. Yeah, I, I, have, I haven't been looking into all of these, so I can't say for sure. But, but it's just, just like in this particular situation, it just seems a bit... Well, and I think what people deceptive. may be saying to themselves right now, listening to us, is, well, why didn't you just do the research? Which is a fair oh, question. No, 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 no. Honey, you know me. I don't do any of the research. <laughs> but no, what I mean is, of course not, but also as regular readers... Right. Like you walk into a bookstore, you pick a book that sounds interesting. I read the description, not the author bio. Yeah. Well, and also in this case, like would the author, like, like in on Amazon, most of us, I'm going to have to say, I'm sorry, small bookstores are reading books that we're getting on Amazon and we're getting them as they're presented to us mm-hmm. from the algorithm. Yeah. So the algorithm has presented us with the book. And probably on a Kindle. So let's say, here we are, a normal reader. We read these sexy murder mysteries all the time. Mm -hmm. And it says, oh, would you also like to read this one? We're like, yeah, sure. Bam. And I have ordered it. I didn't look up at it. I didn't. No. It's like, okay, so the cover is like a winter townscape on the bottom, like, quarter. The top three quarters is an attractive man pointing a gun at the reader and this is Josh Lanyon, Winter Kill. And then you read the description, and it's obviously about two gay men. And you're like, oh, the author's name is Josh. Like, you, you put two and two together. But anyway, I just wanted to bring that well, up. The publisher, I, didn't to... I think it is self-published, is Just Josh and Publishing Inc., which I'm kind of laughing at. Anyway, I... I didn't mean to derail anything. I just wanted to bring that up. Because, like, I enjoyed this book. Overall, there's certain things I didn't like, but there are certain parts just, like, in the sex scenes. I'm like, that sounds weird. Like, I've never heard another gay man talk about sex that way. Mm -hmm. And then the author bio is at the very end. And then it's like, oh, Josh does this and this, and she is doobity-boobity-boo. And it's like, what? Anyway, so they have sex. So they have sex, and honestly... I, com- I completely it was, understand. Where- it was fun. It was fun. And it was the thing, th- it was the same with Eve, too, that for Adam, sex was just like, get your needs met. And there's one point where Adam's like, it was just about physical sensation. And I guess he worried about it being good for Rob, too. I'm like, fuck off. I don't have time for greedy tops. <laughs> Verses. Like, I thought that's what they were implying. Well, no, they, they were. But when he was topping, he's like, I just care about, you know, getting my dick wet and getting off. Yeah. But it, it sets up that, like, Adam's job is his life and sex, the part that sex plays in his life is to, like, fulfill a physiological need. But also and nothing Rob more. was feeling similarly. Like, he wasn't looking to have a, like, start right. a romance. Rob, it becomes apparent real fast that Rob does real, real well for himself during tourist season. And he's not, but he... And he's got a guy in another town. He has a guy in another town that he sees regularly. But it's, it's one thing to just sort of, like, yeah, whatever, easy breezy, sleep with whomever I want, whenever I want. And to be like, I need to get my needs met. That's what's important. Mm-hmm. Like, those are two very different things. Yeah. And these are two very different people. So, FBI agents go away. They're all done. Um, it was a lovely night. They both un- feel it was a lovely night. They they both had a good time. FBI agents leave. Mm-hmm. Our man, uh, Rob, is left with the body 
And they were they were just going to leave it a cold case because they don't have the mm-hmm. resources to do a lot of investigation. Right. But is this when they figured out who it was? I was just going to say that. Okay, thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, but then they do find out who it is uh, via some other records that they had and some other information that came up. They found mm-hmm. out it is this guy who went missing thirty years ago. Dove. I thought that name was great. Dove, coat. Yeah, dove coat. Which don't. Wh- isn't that what you call what doves live in? Don't they live in a coat? Or I don't something? know. I didn't look it up. <sighs> anyway. I. But the thing is that like, he hadn't gone missing. He had left a note. Yeah. Being like, I'm sick, to his parents, being like, I'm sick of this hick town, I'm getting out of here. Right. Because he was openly gay in the late 90s, and was just like, I'm sick of this place. And everyone's like, oh, he left and we never saw him ever again, because that's what he wanted. But they found his body. Yeah. So it's like, oh, well, he planned on leaving, and then didn't? Yeah. So so he planned on leaving, he didn't. It seems like it was maybe a weird hit and run. Mm -hmm. They don't know... What happened, but they can't really track anything down. Everybody mm-hmm. who knew him is either gone or just kind of only barely knew him. Even his mother, who seems like she's that just was, gone crazy. Yeah, that was a little sad. It was real sad. It was real She's become sad. a hoarder. She doesn't talk to anybody. She doesn't even have any information on her son. But then it was also apparent that, like, she never knew anything about him. Yeah. Um, Except probably for the fact that he was gay, which mm-hmm. obviously either disappointed her or whatever. Yeah. And that's it. Our man, Adam, has no... Uh, sorry, Rob. Our man, Rob, has no choice but to just sort of put it in a drawer and put it away. Can I, can I read until, that? Until... Can oh. I read that? Because that... This is the end of that chapter, and it. I thought it was amazing. Like, I, I thought how it was, it was well written. done, too. Um, so just to give a little bit of context, it says that they keep their cold cases and the bottom drawer of the filing cabinet and it's just like that's where they go so it says but when rob tucked the skinny manila folder in the lowest drawer of the filing cabinet no one questioned it or pulled it out again november december january and then cynthia joseph was murdered (laughs) new new chapter and i was like oh my god what i know it was great some of some of these chapters had amazing suspense at the end so it's just like ah yeah and okay so the whole time like there was no, I, I mean, to be fair, they didn't lay out the clues in such a way early on that you could, like, guess who the murderer was. Like, you didn't meet the people who were the murderers until way later. Mm-hmm. So there was no way to say, oh, it was that guy. So that you couldn't, like, be the Nancy Drew uh, trying to solve the murder ahead of time. Which I kind of like. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I don't like that as much. But I thought this author wielded that particular power very mm-hmm. well. Can I just say as someone who took a crime fiction class as part of my literature degree yes thank you um it's that the idea of us not meeting the murderer right away or ever really knowing the murderer as a character until they showed up is a very modern thing and of course it was like modern writers being like well this is how life works most (laughs) of the time as opposed to like you know the the cottage murders where Everyone is trapped inside a cottage and one of them, one or more of them is the right. murderer they have to be kind of thing. Right. Which I enjoy when they're crafted really well. I really Same. enjoy those. Same. But then like, just like a note on the genre that this is a more modern 
kind of thing that like you don't meet the murderer right away right. or sometimes you don't meet them until you figure out who it is and it just might be some random person right and no. i thought this was handled very well in yeah. this book and and entirely entertaining um so there's a murderer uh, there's another murder it's on federal land and so the feds have to come back mm-hmm. now that means because adam darling is familiar with the city and he's familiar mm-hmm. with what's happening he gets to come back well frankie who's the sheriff Who's a spitfire and I love her. Oh, uh, she's a spitfire and I hate her. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, we can talk about At it. At first I really liked her. I uh-huh. will say that. At first I really liked her because she was a spitfire. But then I hated her because she withheld weird information a lot. That's kind of and true. And I was like, like, she would be sitting there and just... I'm sorry, it was the funniest moment. Again, as a person who enjoyed reading this book and really liked it. So there they are. They're sitting... Let's just imagine, sitting at a conference table, uh-huh. and they're all discussing the parts of the murder, because that's what they're trying to do, uh-huh. is investigate a murder. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, and then this and this happened, and this? Has anybody else gone missing in this town? And she's like all, mm, baby? And they're like, what, what's that supposed to mean? She's like, I don't know. <laughs> they're, but... they're like, no, 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 we're investigating murders, you have to say. She's like... This is a weird town. <laughs> but no, but there was the point where she was like, there were a bunch of women who said that they got attacked, like someone tried to assault them and he was wearing war paint. And everyone's like, you're crazy. You're a crazy person. And she's like, no, this is a real thing. And then that turned out to be the actual, like uh, one of the killers. Yeah. Yeah. Also, she didn't know. But when she said that, Adam Darling was 100% on board with that information. was like, oh, thank you for telling right. us. Right. But, but then everybody everyone else was like, I'm yeah. a local and I'm dumb. I think you're... D- anyway. So she's a mixed bag, well, frankly. She's a mixed, but she anyway. keeps withholding that information like, all the time. And they're like, has anybody else gotten missing? She's like, well, yeah. Actually. <laughs> Tell you what. Anyway, I bring her up because she requested Adam Darling come right. back. Because obviously there's a... It's like... Us versus them, small town feds that they call Phoebes. Also, there are so many acronyms in this book. And like most of them I was able to figure out, but there are a couple that I'm like, I don't know what you're trying to say to me. Um, I'm not an LEO, okay? Law enforcement officer. Right, right. Right. Um, anyway. I know. You know. Well, sure, fine. Um, but Although I keep forgetting what unsub is. I, it never said. It just said unsub a whole bunch. And I'm like... I can put that together, but as a gay man, it means something very different than I think what this book is trying to say. I've watched a lot of Criminal Minds, and they say it a lot, but even then, I'm like, wait a minute, what is unsub? It's just the bad guy. It's just the bad guy. It's the bad guy. (laughs) Whatever. Anyway. suspected bad guy. I bring all of this up because Frankie requested, despite the fact- I'm non-subject. Thank you. (laughs) Now we know. Whatever. Wouldn't it, just, wouldn't it just make more sense to say perpetrator? Or? I don't know things. I don't know why. They... <laughs> I don't know anything. I... I'm just putting words in a random order and hoping that they're a sentence, Purple Monkey Dishwasher. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Frankie requested that, despite the fact that they're close, there's a Portland FBI office and mm-hmm. they're closer, she requested that Darling and Gould come back. But Gould has left the... Force. The force, because she got married to another FBI agent, and she, and part of me was like, you gave up your job, but another, she she made the argument like we only need one FBI agent in the house, and I'm like, 
okay, no, that's probably fair, especially if you plan on, like, raising a family. So he has a new partner, Russell. Who's the worst. Who's the worst. And that's his last name. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember. Agent Russell. Agent Russell and Agent Darling. Well, the best part about Agent Russell is he's um, a plot point. Yes. Like, he's not actually important until he's necessary. Yes. So Fact. that's what's annoying and awful about him. <laughs> what, what is important to know, and I, you know, and I feel like I don't want to get in... Like, I think I just want to skip ahead to the end in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. I just want to go over the relationship and just sort of what ends up happening. What's important to know is that Rob and Adam are end up being very much, like, crime-solving partners now. Mm-hmm. Because Zeke is an idiot. Zeke is such an idiot. And he's, he's like, Rob's normal crime-fighting buddy. But the crimes like they know normally... the other person in the sheriff's office. Right. Their sheriff's department is four people, and one of them is uh, Angie or whatever. Who's... And Angie I liked. Yeah, yeah. Because, and Adam clocked it right away. He walked in and was like, she's probably real smart and real ambitious and real capable, but because she's a woman, she's stuck behind the reception desk and getting people coffee, which is definitely true. Oh, yeah. She knows everything that's happening, and she just yells at them when they're like, hey, stop and it's right. important right so but the sheriff's department is frankie angie robin zeke right that's it so um so rob and adam are thrust together and they don't want to be partnered up for all the normal reasons mm-hmm. uh adam still feels like the local sheriffs are inept and incompetent right. and even though he, he likes his dude and, and he was brought in as an advisory position right. he's not he isn't taking over the case He's there to advise Rob, who has taken over the case. Right. And Rob still feels like the FBI doesn't really have a place here, even though he Mm -hmm. also feels kind of out of his depth. Um, And so immediately they start looking at the crime. Every single crime scene they come to, because there ends up being multiple, because there's Mm -hmm. multiple murders along the way. Mm -hmm. Every single one they come to, it's one of my favorite parts of this book. Rob and Adam don't agree. (laughs) Yeah, they don't ever. get along, and they have very good reasons. But they're both smart, and they both mm-hmm. have the important things to say. Like Rob's like, "Oh, well, this and this and this happened," and Adam's like, "That's dumb. It's probably this reason." And then Adam says, "And then this and this," and Rob's like, "You don't know local town at all. It can't be that at all." Mm-hmm. So it's, and they're both like myopic in certain ways. So they can't see all of the evidence because they both have certain assumptions. But they also are having a hard time working together because they assume so much about each other. And it was a really good dynamic. Yes. It made, yeah. it made the investigation fun to follow. It made, like, it made their relationship equally fun to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, but then what I also enjoyed about them is when they both, like, Rob is like, hey, you don't have to stay at the cabin, you know. You can just come to my house for dinner. Like, I cook mm-hmm. and I'm a good cook. Uh, and he's like, well, sure, fuck it, why not? Oh, I don't, we probably shouldn't have sex because I don't do that. And he's like, whatever, come over to my house. And he gets him drunk and has sex with him. Right, right, right. <laughs> well, see, here's the thing that I really appreciated about this book is that um, he comes over and in Rob's mind, it's like, if he says yes, he he's going to want to have sex with me. Like, you don't go to, some, like, they have a very brief, but they have a history and if someone's like, hey, come over to my house, I'm going to cook dinner for you. And, you and you're can, both single. You can stay both... with me and, like, you can have your... Like, there's an implication. Right. Well, there's also, like, 
you can say no. Yeah, because anywhere along the way, but all, also you're unavailable. All, all along the way, Rob is like, "Hey, let's do things." And Adam's like, "No." And there's one point where Rob is like, "Oh, you know you want to." And Adam's like, "It's not a question of want to. I just don't feel that I should." And Rob is like, "Shut up. Just like, no, it's fine." And I like I'm like, "Yes." If someone says, I want to, but I feel that I shouldn't, that's when you can keep pursuing them. And there's another moment where Rob is like, oh, you can stay. And like, fuck me. I want you to stay. It's up to you, though. Like, it's your choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he stays and fucks him. And it's like, yes, give someone the choice instead of just being like Rourke. And like, to go back to the other book, Rourke grabbed Eve's lip, like got angry and g- grabbed her collar like three times. No, there's this awful part in the book where Ugh. her face is bruised because she was in a fight with somebody and he like reached over, grabbed her face. Yeah. So he could he look touched her bruise. face a lot. And like too. she like Ugh. tried to take her face out of his hand and he like pulled it closer. There's, yeah, there's a point she flinched away and he, pa- it says, he patiently moved her face back towards him with his oh he's the devil not sexy anyway but like no there was always an opportunity in this book rob always said i feel i want to i feel like you want to so we should but if you feel that we shouldn't that's fine and And then they do and yeah but when and when adam wasn't sure like Mm -hmm. and, and rob like didn't intrude he's like oh uh here's where you can take a bath um would you like this drink I've come in to, and we've seen each other naked, so this is not a big deal. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, but now I'm going to leave to give you privacy because that's what we do as humans. Because you're, because you're taking a bath. So have a, I made your drink strong. Yuck, yuck, yuck. Right. I'm making chicken parm downstairs. Also, Rob's house is gorgeous. Gorgeous. Because someone who had it as a vacation home sold Thanks it after the, crash. The, the, the economy tanked and they sold the house furnished. <laughs> so Rob has his Big gorgeous house that he lives in by himself that's furnished. Right. He's smart and funny and Mm -hmm. can cook. And honestly, like, it's in. Yeah. I'd like to bring up two quotes real fast. Um, One is uh, sometime around there, um, Rob sees Adam naked and says, He was nicely hung, no question. A clean cut straight arrow of a cock jutting from a soft golden bush. Perfect plum-sized balls nestled beneath. And I'm like, if his balls are the size of plums, I know, it's like, that's he a might problem. need to go that see a doctor. A problem. Like, I kept like, and on like, the way plums, over here, plums. we stopped by the grocery store and they had plums and I picked them up. Like, they fit my whole hand. They were very large plums. And I looked at Claire and I said, just keep this in mind for later. Because plums is too big no, for testicles. The moment it said that in the book, I reached my hands out and was like, and like I held two like smallish, like normal size. Not Claire's like, doing it with her hands right now. And it was just like, no. That's too big. Like, and like, and it just thought like, what is that like in pants? He like, has to wear. <laughs> he has to wear very supportive oh my God, underwear. You have to like, you'd be sitting on your balls all the time. All day. Oh my plum sized balls. Uh, but there was another point, and I think this was later, where they were having sex on the couch. Um, Rob went up to get the condoms and lube and then Rob pounded his chest and gave a Tarzan yell as he sprang for the sofa. Adam's jaw dropped. He raised an instinctive defensive leg and that was almost the end of the evening's proceedings. Oh, that's funny antics. But if I were in bed or on a couch 
and a very attractive man like did a Tarzan yell and ran at me, I would have figured the best thing ever. Wow, welcome home, buddy. I know. Oh, Rob's the best. So much fun. But I would also have to say, at this point of the book, I thought and said out loud, possibly on a bus, there's not enough blowjobs. <laughs> <laughs> did they blow each other? I don't think they did. I don't think they did. There's no oral in either of these books. Yeah, no, and and honestly, like, I started to think, I was like, when was the last time a woman in any of our books gave oral? Like, not except for not Lady on Lady, and I mean, like... 24 inches. Oh, God. Gagging on those Coke can cocks. Ooh. I don't know if that's true, but that's the first thing that comes to mind. That's the most recent thing that that comes to mind. That was honestly something I thought, and like... I know not a lot of ladies like to give oral, but I do have to say, like, I do. Uh-huh. And I think it's fun and can be lovely mm-hmm. and, and, like, exciting and sexy mm-hmm. and very much part of, like, the sexual, like, yeah. environment. And, and I'm like, I know, why isn't this happening? And I know happens? straight guys who love going down on ladies, mm-hmm. but it happens very little. Well, I think... In, in the books we've read so far. Well, and I do feel like it happens more in the books that we've read than than not, really. But I would have... Like, like either they're going to talk about... Like, either it's like all... Like, I was surprised he did not go down on her in Naked and Death. But then I was not surprised because this was a horrible book. Because it was horrible. Because um, um, that's not what... That would show weakness on his part. Also, sorry to go back to Rourke again, the devil incarnate. There's a point where he gets upset because, like, he's he's he suffers the whim of his own passions. Like, he is super into Eve and he can't understand it. And then he gets angry at himself and takes it out on her. And I'm like, you can't do that. No. You, no. Uh, no. Uh, anyway. anyway, back what, to what the, I the say, fun sex. More blowjobs. Yes. That's what I want. I want yeah. more blowjobs. Yeah. I, I want more down in general, but more blowjobs. <laughs> more down in general. I'd like to see more analingus. Indeed. I think that would also be fine. I'd yeah. Be fine with I mean, that. especially in the gay books. No. I know that the straights have just discovered it. Like the millennials are like, and younger, who don't have a name yet. They're like, oh, do you know it's super cool? Rimming. Oh, this brand new thing you guys just figured out. Great. Sure. But gays have been doing it for a very long time, and I'd like to see more of it in the books. Anyway, I think, so what I'd like to do, and so instead of talking, so real quick, I'm going to sum up what the murders were, mm-hmm. and then I'd li- I think I think we can wrap it up a little bit. Right. But I just, because I think it's, it's, a, it's a little bit important to say. So, but, yeah. okay, so what ends up happening is You know, is it being the crux of the book. <laughs> What's interesting about this book and the last book is that there's, both books have two murderers. Yes. Um, so our first guy, Dove, our skeleton, the, the guy that was mm-hmm. missing, was actually killed by the Roadside mm-hmm. Ripper. And it turns out the Roadside Ripper's home is this town. Was he the Roadside Ripper? Yes, he was. I thought it was just like some other guy. No, he was the Roadside Ripper. Oh. That, Dove was his first oh. kill. Okay. Yeah, because sure. they were like... But then the other guy, too, um... The hiker that went missing yeah. around the same time with the... they And they knew it was him because he had a uh, replaced hip. Yeah. Despite the fact well, that he was Well, what they called like Dove was an origin kill. 
Yes. Because like Because there was a significant gap of time. Yeah. Well and, and until like the Dove, first one that they recognized. Dove and the Dove and the murderer were supposed to go run off together. Right. But the murderer feeling guilty and not feeling like capable of doing it ended up killing Dove. Mm-hmm. And then he got some a, a sexual rush out of it and so then he wanted to just do that again for all, for over and over and forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and they ended up killing that guy. Because mm-hmm. there was like an altercation. Because he, he kidnapped Adam. Yeah, he kidnapped Adam, and Rob came and saved him. Um, although, like, it, it, he, Adam kind of basically said, almost like Adam got out of the building mm-hmm. and was like running up the property towards the oncoming police cars, and like had mostly gotten himself out of it, and then the guy like picked him up by his hair and was threatening to kill him and then Rob shot him in the and face. And Rob shot him. Like and so that that put an end to that. So like yeah. and they solved that together and it was just a and that was that was how that murder happened. Right. So that the was murders that happened in the context of the book though were uh, it was a woman who owned, who ran a, a museum about the local uh, the local First Nation tribes. Mm-hmm. Cynthia and, Joseph. And her um, daughter, who was not murdered, but was she super victimized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then a local girl who was... Who Azur, brought, Azur, the waitress. The waitress who That Zeke earlier. was sort of on and off with. Was there another one? No, I think it was just the yeah. two. Yeah, like the daughter was like gonna be another victim, but ended up not being. Right. And she, she, The daughter was meant to be out of town that the night that her mom was murdered, but she happened to be there and then sort of like ran away. Yeah. And what and that they is- ended up finding her. And of course they did the thing where it's like, Oh, she's so traumatized that she doesn't remember. So she can't help with anything. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's an awful thing to go through. But at the same time, it's like narratively, not particularly interesting. It's narratively not interesting and convenient. And when it's too convenient like that, it bothers me. <sighs> yeah. 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 But anyway, so that ends up being like a serial killer wannabe, like a guy who, mm-hmm. because of the investigation into Dove's death, was like super into serial killers now. Right. And looked and was like, oh, maybe I could do it too, kind of. And he was always a messed up kid. And he tried and didn't, and he ended up killing himself because he knew they were going to catch up to him. Yeah. And he so was feeling guilty. And all, there were four murders, two from the 90s that were the Roadside Ripper, and then two in the present day of the book, which is like the rich guy in the town's yeah. son. And I also have to point out, sorry, real fast, the rich guy's name was um, Buck Constantine. They, when they went to go interview him the first time, it says, but, but Constantine stood before them clad in a blue smoking jacket and leather slippers. He was not smoking. He did carry what looked like a martini glass. And my note was hashtag life goals. Yeah. Because I, I like, love they... to wear a, a blue silk smoking jacket just around my house. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh. And answer the door like that. Yeah. But then later, like, uh, Adam find or Rob finds a picture of Dove when he was a teenager mm-hmm. with somebody that the the picture names is Buck and he's like oh it was from her, his mom right she sent like a picture and something else and it right. says Dove and Buck so they thought it was Buck Constantine the rich guy in town but it turned out to be this guy Burkle who Whose in high school went by Buck, Buck. but like what thing. bothered me about that he's like oh I didn't think Buck was gay and I was like he answered the door in a blue smoking jacket and <laughs> with a martini glass I was like I thought he was gay right away he wears fringe <laughs> on a daily basis I was like Oh, 
Oh, I thought that's where we were going. Uh, <laughs> anyway, oh, I guess I read that wrong. <laughs> but I, I, I assume too much. Yeah. I enjoy when it when it became evident that they were looking for two different serial killers. I got really excited, and I was like, "Ooh, like this could be the beginning of a ser- like a, a, a trilogy." Trying to find these two people, and then the big case turns out to be Burkle, who killed Dove and the mm-hmm. other guy in the 90s um, because he was a self-hating gay. Um, and then there's that whole altercation where Adam gets kidnapped and he fights his way out and blah, blah, blah. And he does the thing. He wakes up in the hospital kind of thing. Um, and they're like, oh, by the way, um, Bill Constantine Buck's son admitted to killing Cynthia and Azur and he killed himself. So it's like, it felt to me like the writer was like, okay, that's wrapped up. Oh, shit, I have another serial killer to deal with. What am I going to do? Uh, just kill him off. And he killed himself, like, off stage. So they didn't yeah. even get a chance to, like, talk to him. Like, it was just sort of like, uh, 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 it's done now. It's fine. Everything's fine. And it's just like, oh, God. I agree. That, I was disappointed by that. I was disappointed. Uh, and then, but, okay, so anyway, so serial killers gotten rid of we don't have to mm-hmm. worry about them anymore this town which has seen an awful lot of deaths in the last it's bit, practically murder she wrote it's murder that town. little what was the name of that town nearby no something cove oh yes Cabot's cove, Cabot's cove. which obviously has the higher murder per capita rate in the country because right you know she was solving a murder every other week all except for uh midsummer in england oh that too anyway so nearby is getting up there Right, so, but that's the end, and our two guys have to split up because mm-hmm. uh, one has to go back to L.A. And he was offered... Um, a job in Washington, D.C. A fancy job in D.C. And that this, he's always wanted. That he's always wanted, and they were like, oh, it's with the whatever bureau. It was like an acronym and a letter. And I'm like, I don't know what this means. I don't know what you're saying to me. It's like the FAO three i don't know i don't know what they're saying i don't know if this is important or not you don't know what they're saying but you will 100 percent up look look up if you can buy a, a direct flight <laughs> right but <laughs> let me not google this acronym but i will 100 percent see if you can buy well, a ticket for also, cheaper that's direct looking up Flights and looking up the inner workings of the FBI are two different things. Maybe. You didn't try to Google one. I didn't try. (laughs) But also, like, it's the writer's job to tell me what these acronyms mean. I guess. Just, you can't just throw acronyms at people when they don't know what they mean. Then you're just like, oh, it's an FAO for whatever it's like <laughs> this very important thing that he's willing to jeopardize this relationship for i don't know what fao4 is <laughs> i don't know if he's making a good decision or not if he said it was profiling early on oh whatever <laughs> but they but I yeah but the book did say it but it didn't say what the acronym was it said it was like a profiling team but it didn't say what the acronym was for okay Anyway, but then, no, you're wrong. Uh, But then Adam and Rob have a conversation. They're like, okay, what do we do? We, obviously they've sort of like, not fallen in love, but started to care for each other. And there's one part where Adam's like, I don't believe in soulmates. I don't believe that there's one person for everyone out there. But like, I feel something for you that I've not felt before. And like, we need to figure this out. And then Rob's like, well, maybe you want to stay? And then Adam's like, maybe you want to come to L.A.? Because he, like, 
has he was given the job offer he didn't accept it and he doesn't know the timing of everything yeah. so he's like if i go to la it might be temporary kind of thing and then rob was like i can't do big cities i've tried and i can't do it and they're like okay well I guess we'll have to try long distance. And Adam says, like, let's do long distance. It's not ideal, but this all happens super fast. So maybe long distance is kind of good for us because it'll force us to take it slow and actually get to know each other. And I was like, yes, this is how human beings interact with each other as opposed to I've known you for two days. I'm in love with you now. And like, sure, that happens, I guess. I don't know. But like. To negotiate an actual adult relationship between two emotionally mature people. It's like, oh, we need to actually get to know each other before we decide whether we want to, like, change our whole lives for each other. Sure, but... But then he goes back up to nearby. (laughs) After getting back to L.A. And he's like, this doesn't feel like home. It never has. And then he, like, calls Rob and he's like, I'm getting on a flight! And that's the end of the book. That is the end of the book. They get together at the end. It's a happy ending. It's, it is, but then it also is left ambiguous because you don't know, like, how they're going to figure their lives out. No. Which is kind of realistic. That is kind of realistic. I'd also say, like, um, he wasn't happy in the FBI. Like, it was his dream job the whole time, but it was his, like, dad's dream. Yeah. And, like, he he His emotionally withholding FBI FBI father. He really liked a lot of the FBI and he he was really good friends with Johnny, his old partner. Yeah. And um, she was, and she moved on. And she moved on, yeah. So I feel like he's actually going to be happier as a local sheriff. I mean, maybe I don't know. But see, it's good that we have these questions. Yeah. I I like that there's some ambiguity at the end because liked, it seems more realistic. To I liked me. these two. I liked what happened. I enjoyed this book. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right, let's, let's play. Fuck Mary Kill. Fuck Mary Kill. Yeah. Can I go first? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Claire. <laughs> okay. Fuck Mary Kill. Eve Dallas. Uh huh. Adam Darling. Uh huh. A steak dinner with coffee. Ooh. <laughs> like, I, I know we mentioned. I don't even know. Like, I can't reiterate how horny Eve was for coffee. Oh my god. Like, it was insane. Yeah, she was. Although, I get it. I mean, you're not a coffee drinker. You're a tea drinker. I d- yeah, I don't drink coffee. Um, okay. But yeah, so Eve Dallas, who also we didn't mention because she was like abandoned by her uh, sexually abusive father. They named yeah, she her... She had a Dickens... Uh, yeah, yeah, she yeah. She had a Dickens childhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, they named her Eve because like, we don't know what else to call you. And then they named her Dallas because that's where they found her. Her name was Eve Place You're From. <laughs> Anyway, no, Eve, Eve Dallas. Place, we found you. Yeah, that too. I don't even know where she was from. Ugh. Eve Dallas, Adam uh-huh. Darling, or a steak dinner with coffee. Okay, well, I'm going to have to say I'm going to fuck steak dinner with coffee. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want it all the time. It's bad for your heart. Uh-huh. But, oh, my God. Sometimes a good steak and oh. a good fucking cup of coffee. Oh. <gasps> that day off that you had, I uh-huh. have that tomorrow. Uh-huh. And I am going to go to a very expensive coffee shop where it's actually like bartenders who are serving you coffee. Oh. And I am going to love it. And then you're going to get steak? I might. You should. Fuck it. Anyway. Literally, fuck the steak. And I'm going to marry Adam Darling. Okay. He, uh, 
I think he's a little one track minded, but honestly, by the end of the character arc, I think he had a lot going on. Yeah, he was very he, interesting, and uh, his character description was super sexy. I'm on he board. he looked like a Ken doll. Mm, is what grab it said. It. <laughs> uh, listeners, Claire made grabby hands right in front of her as if she were grabbing a nice little butt, and now she's taking a bite out of it. So you're gonna kill Eve? Oh yeah, yeah. I think um, she's been through a lot. She's I think having sex with her would be exceedingly complicated. Yeah. If not, um, and like emotional landmines everywhere. It wouldn't be fun to fuck her. It would be terribly unfun to be married to her. Oh. Uh, she's a loner. I really think she, she needs to have her own apartment. Uh, in that book, she got a cat friend. Yeah. York stole from her. He stole the cat. He stole the cat. I I know I know it's anyway so I'm gonna kill her well he but owns out of her love. he owns her but that means he owns the cat too so it's his cat oh I hate him I hate him so much uh, out of love I am putting an end to her it's a mercy killing it's a mercy killing oh but anyway oh what about you um. I would also kill Eve which makes me sad because for a lot of like everything about her as a cop. Everything about her being friends with Mavis, Mm -hmm. she was great. She was competent. She was kind of sassy at times. She was confident. She was wonderful. And a good cop. She was an amazing cop. And yes, it was very obvious that it sort of affected her personal life. Like, everything about being a cop came before everything else in her life. And she recognized that. And she's like, this isn't what I should do, but... You know, like, she didn't put forth the effort to do anything about it. But as soon as Rourke shows up and starts manhandling her... Like, there's one point where to get out of bed, she, like, elbowed him in the stomach. And then he was like, oh, that's cute. And then, like, jumped on her and pinned her down. Like, they had to get physical with each other and not in the fun... Like, ugh. And then she's just like, whatever, this is fine. There's so many times in the book, too, that she was, like, too tired to fight with him. And I'm like... That means he's not good for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I kill her to save her from Rourke. Good. Anyway. Um, and then I think I would fuck Adam. I feel like he and I would not do well as a married couple. Mm. Um, also, all those medical bills about his giganticism with his testicles. Like, uh, I mean, I'm... I'm <laughs> Claire is batting at testicles. Um, like a kitten. Like a kitten. I mean, I'm sure he has a great health plan. But, like... I, also, just, like, he's really emotionally closed off. And I don't yeah. want to have to deal with that. Um, but I'd fuck, I'm sure. Um, uh, I can't decide who'd wear the condom, though. Who? Who, indeed. Who, indeed. Because at one point, Rob does fuck him, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they're both first. It's fine. Um, and then I would marry a steak dinner and a cup of coffee. All right. And I'd give you the cup of coffee. Thanks. I like it. Great. I'm on board. Great. I'm, I'm addicted. Great. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. Fuck Mary Kill. Uh huh. The therapist lady. Uh huh. Frankie. Uh huh. We're Johnny. Oh, okay. Um, Our ladies. They're the only ladies ever. Sassy ladies. They're all pretty great. Um, I know you hate Frankie. I don't hate her, hate her. I liked her. I just didn't understand why she was withholding information. That's I never understood. For plot <laughs> was, reasons. Yes, and that is too convenient. Yeah. Um, 
I'd marry the therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, I it doesn't really de- it describes that she's like a little bit older. I'm kind of picturing Helen Mirren, mm-hmm. um, or someone of that ilk. So okay. I, I'd marry her. She's also smart and would provide me the emotional support that I need in a relationship. Uh, so I'd marry her. I'd fuck Frankie. And not that I don't like Johnny, but she... And she's still a developed character, but she's in the book a lot less. So, like, her presence is not as... If, in my opinion, her presence is not as strong, just because she's not in the book as much. So I'd kill her. Cool. Yeah, what about you? Yeah, actually, that pretty much pairs. I feel like... I don't know. Well, no, I think I'd kill Frankie. I didn't like her as much. I know, I know. I'd probably marry Johnny and Mm -hmm. have sex with a therapist. I feel like it would be fun, enriching. She seemed really pretty. She also had jokes. Mm -hmm. I feel like it would be So if you you married Johnny, would you you be okay with her staying in the FBI? Yes, totally. I mean, she's... Since you're not... This may come as a surprise to our listeners. You, Claire, are not an FBI agent. Uh, no, I am not an that FBI I know agent. Of. That, that you know of. I have mm-hmm. not revealed that to you. CIA? Um, you know, if Interpol? I, if, <gasps> I, if, I, if I told you what I did, you wouldn't understand because it's an alphabet. Because it's an al- <laughs> It's a 26-letter acronym. Um, Fact. Okay, so then you... Oh, you'd have a, a sassy FBI wife who looks like Barbie. Yeah. Okay. I can get behind that. Like super cute. Yeah, um, she was also really uh, friendly. Like she's like, I know Adam is off-putting, so I'm just gonna like have a civilized conversation with these podunk kicks. Yep. Anyway, um, so yeah, good choices. Good Thanks. choices. Thanks. Um, of all the care, uh, books or characters should we do first? Let's do books. Okay, of the books. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna kill naked and death. We're gonna like set it on fire. I don't want fire. to assume things about you, but we're gonna kill naked and it's, death. Uh, it and it makes me so angry because if Rourke were a completely different person, it'd be kind of a great book. Yeah, like the world that she's like twenty fifty eight New York seemed so very complete to me and so very realistic. Like there were a lot of things about it that seemed very prescient for and someone he was in a cool character. Yeah, seemed very prescient for someone in 95 to be writing. I'm like no this. Like there's a part where after she discovers Sharon's body and she like kind of gets obsessed and then it says like oh she did the thing that drones would normally do and she like interviewed neighbors and stuff. So like it's probably going to happen in the not too distant future that like drones are going to be interviewing people instead of actual cops kind of thing and like it was just like such a well-constructed world eve was great mavis was great feeny was like you know like the typical sort of like overweight sweaty cop but he obviously cared a lot about eve and didn't trust Rourke from the beginning Mm -hmm. Everything, like, it was set up to be such a wonderful book until Rourke showed up and was the devil. Yeah. But, like, Satan's diarrhea. Oh, my God. In the shape of a man. <laughs> um, anyway. And I'm going to fuck Winter Kill. Yeah. I'm not going to marry it. I don't feel like I want to go the long haul. But no, honestly, it was, it was a good time. It was a good time. Um, the fact that it sort of, like, fell apart with the second serial killer was... 
disappointing. Disappointing. Especially since I felt like the author had the ability and the capability to really right. put, to And go it was all the set way. up in such a way that, like, so the first woman who was murdered, Cynthia, um, was Native American and, like, the uh, curator of the museum about the local uh, Native American tribes. And when they found her body, she had been arranged in a certain way as to um, recreate the funeral rites of the local tribe. And then her murderer had also stolen like a ceremonial mask and dagger. And there's one point where they see someone in like a raven costume wearing the mask and stuff. And at one point I was like, if this is like, Scooby-Doo Indian burial ground bullshit. I'm about to walk away. And I say Indian because that's what they would say in Scooby-Doo. Um, but, like, it's never explained why. Like, we don't know why this kid decided to, like, steal this mask and start killing people. He was just sort of a messed up kid. Yeah. But, but like, yeah. it seemed like there was set up for a whole second thing that then just kind of like fell through yeah but the sex scenes were great their conversations about their relationship was great some of the imagery was wonderful like there's one point where it was talking about like the wind whistling whistling through the tops of the pines sounded like the ocean oh the whole like, first oh, part when they were beautiful. at the morgue like was just so perfectly like perfectly like told like how stupid the morgue looked because this tiny town so it wasn't actually a morgue mm-hmm. like it was actually like how uncomfortable everybody was in it the wood paneling mm-hmm. like it just wasn't where you were like it set the scene so well yeah and the town not the town but like the the environment of the town felt like a character because they were in a sort of resort town off season yeah so it's just like miles of pine forests and like moonlight and cold winds and like it it was like the atmosphere was wonderful agreed it was it was fun it was a fun time okay yeah all right and of the characters okay i'm going to fuck mavis okay which was eve's friend yeah she was she was super great um and she had that whole thing about like sex should be fun and if you're lucky it's special and like i feel that her approach to life she's she's just like She's a bon vivant. She's yeah. just like, I'll take life. Yeah, I'm not a great singer, and I'm in this like, shitty little dive bar, I'm but like, money as I can. whatever. And this one part, she, one night, Eve goes to see her perform, and she's just wearing paint. Uh-huh. Like, she found some local artist to just paint her, and then she gets it cold, and she's like, I was an idiot for doing that. Yeah, but it was a great show kind I know, of thing. That was so funny. She was fun. I really liked her. So I'm going to fuck her. Um, I'm going to marry Rob. I know, me too. Because I'm also going to marry Rob. I'm, no, I haven't gotten to meet yet, best. but I'm going to marry Rob. He's funny oh and wonderful, God. and I loved him. He has that big, giant house. He's a photographer. He's a photographer. He has that, like, a spa tub. He just Tarzan yells during sex, which I don't want all the time, but, like, every so often is a He's lot of so fun. He's so excited to see me once in Tarzan I know. Um, and then I'm going to kill, and this is exactly what I wrote, Rourke, but, like, 3,000 times. <laughs> Um, I'm going to have to agree with that. I'm not going to go overboard. I think we've underlined this enough. But yes. Um, and I, so, yeah. Mary Rob, Kill uh-huh. Rourke, and uh, I'm going to 
Who the fuck the therapist? That's fair. I enjoyed those scenes so much. Obviously not enough to remember her name, but I love. They said it like two times. Yeah, it Doctor was like Mira or something. Or something. Or... I don't remember. It was an M, I think. But I, anyway, that's why. Whatever, I she's hot. She doesn't need a name. She was super nice. I'm great. Hot. Let's do it. Great, great, great. Okay. Um, so, uh, I picked the books for next time. What are we reading? What are we reading? We are reading. Okay, let's see if you can, um, figure out the theme. Okay. So the first book is Rekindled Flame by Andrew Gray. Uh Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And the second book is The Cougar Club, No Smoke Without a Fire by Bobby C. Bandy. The Cooper Club? Cougar Club. The Cougar Club. The Cougar Club, colon, though there's no colon, no smoke without a fire. So both of these are smoky. Smoky. So, wow, fire? It's firemen. Firemen? Firemen. Oh, ladders and poles. (laughs) And hoses. Big suspenders. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you know who I find? Yours was sexier. Do you know who I find super hot? Firemen and clowns because of those big (laughs) suspenders. Big pants! (laughs) So, there we go. There we have it. All right. Okay. Uh, Let's climb that. Let's ring that bell. Climb Ah! that pole. Give me your hose. (laughs) (laughs) I can't. Okay, well, uh, thank you very much, listeners. Thank you so much, listeners. And we appreciate uh, everything that you do. Please tell your friends. Uh, please rate and review and subscribe and all that malarkey. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook. Mm-hmm. What What is our Facebook and Twitter? Uh, FMK Lit. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So you should be able to find Easy it. to find. Um, and I would also say thank you to Christine, who does our music and also does all of our editing and sound recording because she's amazing. Mm-hmm. And provides cats. Well, one cat. Well, yes, provides one cat and lots of treats. Yes. And also thank you to our authors. Thank you, authors. I guess they're not our authors. It's a little... They are today. That's a little presumptive, I think. But no, thank you for... No, th- I can speak with an Irish accent, so I own them. <laughs> Thank you to the authors. We uh, we appreciate the opportunity to have read your work, and we're ex- we you know of course like I mean no one needs to tell Nora Roberts to keep writing. <laughs> She's doing fine. <laughs> She's just fine. Um, but I would say to the readers of Nora Roberts, of course we respect her talent and the things that she's done. This just this book wasn't our thing. Oh, it really wasn't. I've not read any of her other work, so I can't speak to it. But like. This book was a little painful for me. Anyway, thank you very much. Anyway, thank you guys. Bye.